Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taika Waititi's uh, Dad's on Tour. No, wait. Um, no, we're definitely we're definitely citizen name, but we are going to be talking about everything that we love about uh, Taika Waititi. I am Lauren Humphreys Brooks, and with me, as always, is Karen Peterson. Hello, Karen. Hello. I love Taika Waititi. I know you do. <laughs> I, I just wasn't sure if people have gotten that memo because I don't, I don't talk about it enough. It's not like you have his voice saying your name at the beginning of this <laughs> this entire like podcast. <laughs> That's still one of my favorite things that's ever happened during the <laughs> run of this show. And no matter how many times I change the intro, that is never going away. <laughs> I don't blame you, honestly. Unless... There's only one person that could usurp that position. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I think guess. that will ever happen, but that's the only way that that would ever change. It might. You never know. You never know. You could just <laughs> I'm like, pretty sure into... a certain major church has me on a list, so I don't <laughs> think it'll happen. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. Well, yeah, so, t- so today we're going to talk about... Um, we're going to talk about a couple of different things, but we're, we're going to start off talking about our flag means death. Before we get into that, I just want to, I like really briefly address the fact that Twitter was sold to Elon Musk. Um, of course, one of the things that we do on Citizen Name is that we're very on Twitter. Um, yeah. In fact, it's one of the ones that we use for our like major social media. We're still on Twitter uh, for the time being, of course, as things change, that might change. So, you know, please, we're going to, you know, post links to um, our, our Instagram, our letterbox, et cetera. There are other ways to listen to us and to get in touch with us. So please, if you, if you do not already follow us on, on those places, um, please do. Cause I don't know what's going to happen with Twitter. Uh, there's a part of me that is like, is this actually going to change anything? I mean, it could change nothing. It could change a lot or it could never even happen because Elon Musk is an idiot. Right. Yeah. Like he's, he's got a history of not following through with things. So who knows? Like this transition might not ever even occur. And uh, I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, we're, pre- we're preparing for all possibilities. Yes. Yes. So, so definitely give us a follow on other social media and, um, you know, check us out if, if the primary place that you get us from is from Twitter. Yeah. Um, so, all right, let's, let's talk about our flag means death. Now I will say right off the bat, I've not been able to watch the entire series. I tried. Um, but I finally was just like, I can't, I, I can't watch anymore. So I have not seen all of the episodes, but I have seen like Blackbeard and, and everything it is such a good show. First of all, <laughs> like within the first episode, I was like, I might be in love with all of these characters, yes. like in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but so our flag means death is, uh, the story, I guess, of, of Steve Bonnet, um, who is a, a pirate in the, um, whatever that would be 18th century. Yes. He was a real person who actually existed. Uh, yeah, which I was amazed by. Like, I thought that they had made up a pirate, and then I actually looked him up, and I was like, oh, this is a real dude. Like, uh-huh. okay. <laughs> he was known um, as the gentleman pirate. <laughs> and, but this is obviously a major fictionalization of that, and it's about oh, yeah. him and his crew and him learning how to be a pirate. And well, what also- he did, because he was a wealthy, sorry, what, uh, he was a wealthy oh. landowner in Barbados his family was from Britain but he they had a ton like he basically had a plantation in Barbados and he decided I don't want to be a rich society man I want to be a pirate so he had a Spanish galleon commissioned and had it outfitted as a pirate ship and went on the high seas (laughs) which I love the Caribbean yeah (laughs) 
I love well, and I I guess I was reading up I was reading up on him, and I guess that he actually appears in one of my favorite um, Tim Powers books, which is uh, on Stranger Tides, which the the Pirates oh. of the Caribbean one of the films is based on 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 this book, but the the film has very very little to do with. Uh, with the book itself. The book is fantastic. It's like this mixing of fantasy and real pirate history. And it's it's a lot of fun. But I had completely forgotten he does show up as a character in that, as does Blackbeard. <laughs> That's awesome. I gotta read um, that now. It's really good. I, I really recommend it. It's like, it's a great kind of pirate adventure slash fantasy novel. Nice. So there's like magic and the fountain of youth and things like that, in addition to pirates. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, but so our, our flag means death is, is unique in a lot of ways. Uh, not just the fact that, you know, it is definitely kind of building off of this cultural adoration of pirates and everything, but it really goes hard on, on the queer aspects of, of piracy. And this is historically supported. Like there were, um, there were pirates who would ent basically enter into marriage contracts with each other same same sex pirates um and basically agree that you know they would share their their money they would share their wealth and this was supposed to be a, a, a solely economic um kind of arrangement where you know if one dies the other one gets his stuff that kind of thing but there's pretty good evidence like there I, and i wish i could remember their names but there were two pirates who, who actually settled down next to each other they got they bought like neighboring houses and they were in one of these marriage contracts so there is a like history of piracy as being very much the the place for queer people for um sexualities that did not fit into the very very limited space of uh obviously the 18th century um, well, at the same time, things like, you know, sodomy was illegal, literally. But when you're a pirate, it doesn't really matter. You're just like, well, I'm going to be hung for all kinds of things anyway. <laughs> right. So, but it's it's interesting. And, and I think that the Pirates of the Caribbean definitely, but Pirate, Pirates of the Caribbean sort of begins to do this, but um, doesn't really go that hard on on the inherent queerness of pirates. All of the relationships at the end of the day are heterosexual. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so what are your thoughts on? You've seen more of our flag mean stuff than I have. I've seen so, the whole season. So, what are your thoughts on this? <laughs> it is absolutely perfect. I want to tell you, I, like, I wish that you had finished it because I would love to just really dive in and talk about so much more of what happens. But um, because it it goes on a it goes on quite a roller coaster of a journey and I love it. And we don't get shows like this anymore um, or maybe ever. And I agree with you. I love every character that's on it. I think they all get their opportunities to shine at different moments throughout the, throughout the first season. And you get to, you get to really understand um, who they are as people and what I love particularly about Steed Bond, and of course, yes, it's highly fictionalized, but what I love about Steed and his outlook on on his adventure in this show, this version of him, is like he pays his crew a salary. And so he doesn't necessarily have the best people, but he has people who are just building like this little family on this ship and they care about each other and... um. There's a non-binary character. There's definitely a lot of gay romance happening everywhere. And it's just, it's so, it's so nice to see this just organically happen on a show that is also just very funny. And, um, and then it's just, it's just kooky. It, it's, it's a goofy show, but it all works so well. And it works so well because... Uh, you just have such an amazing cast that are completely committed to just having a good time and playing in this world. Well, and and one of the things that I really like about it so far, and then I, you know, obviously- How far have I, you gotten? I'm about a little bit over halfway through. So I'm, I think I'm on episode six. Have you gotten to the Spanish Jackie stuff? Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy Spanish Jackie a great show, not least because it's Leslie Jones. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean um, she, yeah, 
she's she's fantastic but i i think that that's one of the things actually that you know the pirate all the pirate tropes in general let people explore is that they are outlaws right they're outside of yeah. um regular society so they kind of form their own society but it means that there is a lot more acceptance or understanding or kind of like oh okay sure whatever um, of of different sexualities, different gender identities, um, ways of dressing, skin color, you know, all of that stuff. I loved the the I think it's the second episode where they wind up on um, they wind up on the island. Mm-hmm. And uh, and all of the white guys get like caught and imprisoned, and the <laughs> the people with darker skin get uh, sort of treated just like, oh, I have this wonderful mixture of rum and pineapple <laughs> and coconut. It's really good. It's just like, oh yeah, it's it. You know, why are you? Why don't we get a drink? Just like, well, because you're white people. Yep. <laughs> um, and they don't trust white people for good reason. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. But I like that it it enables, it's a great world to play in because it is something that kind of exists outside of that society while also, you know, being a part of it at the same time. So you can make those kinds of jokes. You can show this like much more um, interesting interaction between people. Uh, and, and, you know, and it's not 100% historically accurate, but it is accurate in terms of the tropes that we have about pirates. Yeah. Um, and who pirates are. Right. One of the other things that I really like about just the production of it is that it feels so much like you're watching a play and they just get to to interact with the sets and with each other in a way that you don't normally see on TV. And um, a little self-promotion here, I actually got to interview Ra Vincent, who's the production designer, and um, that is in Variety this week. And I'm sorry, I'm really excited about it. Um, I, this is the second time I've ever written something for Variety, and the first time was what we do in the shadows. So uh, <laughs> I think I have kind of a theme going with them. But uh, anyway, um, but yeah, so this is something that Rob Vincent and I talked about was that they very intentionally wanted it to feel like just this extra layer of theatricality, which is why they constructed the sets the way they did. So um, a lot of times in TV sets, or movie sets there's so much of what you see in the background that the like there might be a book on a table or something the characters will never interact with it but in this they they created like they have the the rigging and all this stuff so that it's just open form like the actors can just go through and like doors actually lead to places and like everything moves and everything is designed intentionally so that they can just play around with it and make it just fit whatever they're doing in any given moment. And I love that. And I feel like that really does add this extra sense of, of whimsy to the show and also just not a real, not a realness, but um, it just, it, I think it just really makes it feel just more playful and fun too. And you feel like that the characters are inhabiting this world and it's not a 100% realistic world. Right. um, In the sense that, you know, this is exactly what it was like in the 18th century on a pirate ship. Right. But they, they are definitely a part of it. They're, they're able, like you say, they're able to play with it. No, I read your article. I think that it's a fabulous article. You should should definitely advertise it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's interesting because that's one of the things that we don't, we often don't notice necessarily, especially not in the first watch of something. And especially not when it comes to television shows. Mm -hmm. Um, We talk about it a lot more when it comes to movies, but just the mise-en-scene, the creation of the sets, the the way that the actors interact or don't interact um, with with the the set pieces and, uh, and how that kind of creates an atmosphere for for the show partially because we don't notice it that much unless it's really glaring um and it's like you know so obvious so we talk about you know cgi and things like that but other than that you know if, if it does its job and it feels like organic to to the show we don't tend to talk about it that much mm-hmm. exactly I'm so excited for you to see the rest of this the season. <laughs> I was I was trying. I watched like multiple episodes know, yesterday, okay. and then I and then I was just like, I I I don't want to watch any more pirates right now. You need right to now. give yourself time to enjoy it. That's the thing because the last two episodes they're a lot and in in the best way possible, and you want to just be able to savor them. 
Yeah, I, I admit that I'm also not one of those people who tends to binge shows because I like that. I like that sort of, oh, I'm really looking forward to watching it this mm-hmm. afternoon or this evening. Uh, you know, oh, I get to put this on for a little while. And then when I get to the end, I'm like, oh, why is there not more? Give me more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's one of the things I really like about HBO and HBO Max is that they're still committed to the once a week episode release schedule. Um They'll they'll usually, most of their shows, especially their new ones, they'll maybe drop the first two or sometimes three episodes at once, but then after that it's weekly. And I like that because it does give you time to, to savor it. I, I'm, not that I'm rooting for Netflix to fail because I love, I love a lot of things about Netflix, but I think that one of the things that's unfortunate in their strategy is that it's really gotten us used to binging. And for yeah. a show that's not still on the air, that's fine. There's, you know, there's so much information out there or whatever. It's fun to, to just, like, dive into a show. But for something that's new, you want to give people the chance to to talk about it and discover it together. And so I like these weekly releases. Yes, and, and I agree with you. So it's, it's funny because, you know, talking about Netflix and... Um, the different strategies that different streamers are using for their their uh, uh, episodic shows, mm-hmm. right? Um, that we're moving back closer and closer to you know regular television, basically. Right. As numerous people pointed out, it's just like the streamers are inventing TV as we speak, and and it is. It, I mean, that's true, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but one the, thing that it, oh, sorry. No, I was going to say the di- the difference being that I do not have to pay an arm and a leg for a bunch of shows that I do not watch. That is true. And also another difference is that a show like Our Flag Means Death probably wouldn't, well, it definitely wouldn't be on one of the regular networks. It would never be on ABC. But it also, I don't know that even, you know, FX or Comedy Central or shows like that would would give it a shot either. So that's one thing about the streamers too, is like these kinds of shows that really are pushing new boundaries and and really uh, trying exciting new things, they live on streamers because the streamers are willing to invest in them. Yeah, and 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 that's one of the things that I liked about this. There isn't a there isn't a kind of tiptoeing around the issue. There's no queer baiting going on. Really. None. Um, it's it's all very kind of out there, and it's not it's not like overtly sexual or anything like that. It, but there isn't that sense of like. Um, we're going to have to look into the subtext. It's just like, no, you know, I, I've talked about it before. I like the fact that we're getting more text, mm-hmm. that we're getting shows and films that are actually being like, we're going to engage with the the reality of people's experiences instead of kind of pretending that they're there, but also that they that they don't exist, right, at the right. same time. Um, and which is really where we should be at in, in 2022, let's face it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so one of the things we wanted to talk about when it comes to um, Our Flag Means Death in relationship to the way that other sitcoms in particular have kind of developed romances. And one of the things that um, this is the big one when you develop a romance is using the will they, won't they trope. So those characters that kind of go back and forth that they're interested in each other you know one has a crush on the other and it's like and there are a lot of shows that are are based on that dynamic um between usually male and female characters yeah uh but that's been vanishing more and more uh especially over over the last couple of years basically um so karen you wanted to talk a little bit about this so i'm gonna let you go and then we can have a further discussion uh, yeah, I think there's two things at play. I think that it's not happening as much anymore. Um, and I, I, I think there's probably some different reasons why. And I think when it does happen, um, it's, it's so, it's become kind of clumsy and, and uninteresting. Like they, they reveal it too soon or whatever. You know, one example that I have is the show Castle. I don't know if you ever watched that. Um, no, but that was one I never yeah, I mean, it's a procedural TV, you know, detective show, but uh, Nathan Fillion plays this this uh, um, detective story, like a novelist, and he ends up doing sort of like a ride-along with the NYPD with a detective, and anyway, he ends up being becoming kind of like a part of their team, like a civilian 
investigator with them. And that's the that's the setup of the show. It's very silly. Uh, it wouldn't happen. It doesn't make any sense. But it's fun. And um, and it's just got this kind of lightheartedness to the show. Well, but one of the things that happens is that his character, Rick, immediately, episode one, is just like in, just like in love with Kate, who is the main uh, lead investigator that he's working with. And so for, you know, for a while, they kind of are doing this, will they, won't they? You can tell she has a crush on him, too. Uh, but then it's very, very quickly they get together. Like, within the first couple of seasons, they get together and then they get married. And the show still goes for several years. And they're like, uh, we don't know. Like, the creators, like, the people behind the scenes, they just didn't really know what to do with them once these two characters got married because that sexual tension was gone. That element of, of you know, flirting and romance and buildup, it disappeared. So then they had this whole thing where they had her go off and and take a job with the FBI. And then she was in this case where she had to pretend that she wanted to divorce. It was it was just so weird. And it was just like, this isn't cute and fun anymore. I just want the, like, I just want the romance part of this, you know? So there's, I feel like there's a lot of shows that are just jumping too fast to put characters together. And then they take all the, the fun out of it. Well, and it's one of the issues with this trope. Right. Yeah. It is that and some of it is also about the, the intelligence of the writers. I hate to say yeah, it, um, but sort of this this idea that we're going to rely on this sexual tension between the characters in order to keep the show going. Yeah. And they don't know what to do because at some point you have to you have to give the audience a payoff with the will they won't they thing. They you, they either have to or they don't. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and and most of the time they do. So one of my favorites uh, that they actually managed to string out for quite a long time, partially because this, the, they were not the main characters of the show, but were Niles and Daphne on Frasier. Yeah. Um, and, but after a while, even that, they're like, they're, you know, pushing and pulling so much. They're just like, are we ever, are they ever going to get together? Right. <laughs> and they do. And actually it's great and everything, but almost immediately the characters lose their energy. Um, and, you know, they get married, they have a kid and, and it's like, okay, why did they lose that energy? You know, they could still be the same people, just be in a relationship. Um, and I, I think that that's where it comes to the the writers and the showrunners not really knowing what to do with the characters after that, because so much of their dynamic is based on this, I'm attracted to you, you're attracted to me, but we're not actually going to do anything about it. Um, Whereas something like uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is another one of my favorites, is that uh, um, Jake and Amy get together fairly early. They start dating uh, the, and they date for a while and they have like issues about their their <laughs> the way that they choose to live, things like that. But their dynamic doesn't actually change that much. They still kind of tease each other. They're sarcastic with each other. Um, they give each other shit, you know. And, and granted, this was not a show that went on for, you know, 10 11 or 12 seasons and it's it's uh, there are other reasons why it's it's good that that didn't happen um but their romantic relationship didn't actually interfere in their dynamic they still had this um this competition going they still had this kind of um, she's annoyed with uh, with how like frivolous he is. He's annoyed with how um, uptight she is. But then after after a while, one of the things that made them really good is that he like leaned into the fact that she was so uptight. He was just like, "This is your superpower. Like you are so good at this. Now you 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 need to use this now." And and she never. Um, she never tries to change him. She never is just like, "Oh, now I'm going to take care of the man baby." He grows up. Uh, in his own way, and and she loves him for that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think that that's where some of the the issue with the will they won't they trope comes out of is that it's not the trope itself, but that when you have that sexual tension and that is the basis of the characters' relationships, and you sort of take that away, you have to have some place to go with that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I think that that's where a lot of um, a lot of shows falter is they spend so much energy uh, building up that relationship that they at some point forget about the rest of the show that they've been making. And then that becomes the focus. Like that was a problem 
we were just talking before we started recording, Northern Exposure was um, such a fun show. Joel Fleischman was such a whiny baby idiot, and that was actually part of why I enjoyed it, was watching this whiny baby live in this crazy town where just lots of goofy stuff happened. Um, but he, he and Maggie... Um, they kind of have that back and forth and it's not until I think the fourth season that they finally get together. But then it was like, they just didn't know what to do with the show after that because they forgot to make it about this town and these people. They just focused on Joel and Maggie and then it just didn't work as well after that. And then they had this Mm -hmm. weird thing where then he ends up leaving. So it was like, again, they were trying to kind of bring it back around, but it was just like, no, once you've already committed to putting your two characters together that the audience has been rooting for, you either need to take the show in a different direction or you just need to end it. Yeah. And, and a lot of the time, actually, those those shows, they're hurt the most when they just keep on going. Yeah. Um, and and it stops. It becomes this like, OK, well, now we have to introduce new drama. Mm-hmm. somehow and, and it's like yeah but but we don't need new drama right just let them be in a relationship and have all of the issues that a relationship can have right mm-hmm. um but not like we're gonna break up we're gonna get back together we're gonna break up and and of course the one that that we also mentioned was friends which yeah. um you pointed out is is kind of the the beginning of the decline of this trope yeah yeah because I think because that show did run for so long. And, I mean, to their credit, Ross and Rachel do not get together, like, for for good, for real, until the very last episode after 10 seasons. But it was, like, the whole first season was the two of them just kind of, you know, having this, well, Ross more than her, having this kind of flirty thing happening. And then in season two, they they get together And it's like, at this point, we didn't know that the show was going to last for eight more years. But it just, it very quickly became something where they obviously needed to, um, to do something different. And it would, the show would not have worked at all. And it wouldn't have lasted if they had kept them together. So they have them break up. But then it was like, every time they're, the that they were starting to kind of run the show was starting to kind of run out of energy or they needed to mix things up. It would be like, Oh, (laughs) Ross and Rachel slept together. Now they have a baby, you know, things like that. And so it was like, I mean, I enjoy the heck out of friends. I still watch the reruns. It's still a funny, funny show to me, but I think this is one where as much as I enjoyed the fact that they finally got together, but the show ended right then, I think that it was really frustrating along the way having these times where they would end up just kind of like back together or but not really um and it just it never I don't know I it was it always felt like it was a plot device it never felt like it was really organic and and natural for them in the end it felt like well of course they have to end up together because there's been all this history yeah, and and I do think that that was that part of that was because they kind of gave us the payoff, as it were, them getting together initially. Yeah, so early on that um, that that tension was kind of dissipated, and so the tension stopped being because basically the tension was he had a crush on her, right, right, and then he meets her again, and she's kind of completely oblivious, oblivious to this. Um, and yeah, so he was that's her friend's older brother. Yeah. And, and so that, that relationship, that romance, right. Was something that he just kind of, he felt right. But she didn't rather than spending a lot of time letting her begin to see him as, as a potential romantic prospect. Mm-hmm. Um, they just almost immediately jumped into and now they're in a relationship. It's like, Oh, okay. So you have nowhere else to go with these, with the relationship between these two characters, because they've stopped being friends necessarily. And they've become lovers, right? They've become boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, And so that is always going to be a part of their dynamic, even if, you know, and then they go back to being friends and then he gets married and there's like all of this stuff that goes back and forth. And and it it does feel like we've got to keep on ramping up the drama. Yeah. Because we don't have anything else to do with these two. Right. Well, and I think that they, I think they actually did do something really interesting when they had them get together early and then break up and what dynamic that does to the friend group. I think that was actually a pretty cool thing to explore. Could have gone on a little longer, honestly. But yeah, so it's like, then at one point, 
they're in Vegas and they're both drunk and they just get married and then he doesn't want to divorce her because he doesn't want to be the guy who's been divorced three times. So they do that for a while and then they have a, it's, it's just, it was too much. It was like they needed to just, I think it would have felt better in the end if they had just kind of naturally started to realize, you know, hey, we've both grown up a lot from who we were the last time we tried this. And I think... You know, I think that there's, al- there's always been something there and let's explore it. And I think it just would have, it would have felt, I mean, the I got off the plane thing is pretty iconic. That's a pretty great moment. But I think if it had not been interrupted over the course of the years by this weird random drunk marriage and stuff, I think it would have just, um, I think it would have been more exciting and more interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But it, it does kind of show, it sort of begins the decline of those of that trope yeah. being used a great deal. Um, and and I, th- I think because people kind of, are, and writers kind of got, got the point that you can't just rely on um, the will they, won't they kind of thing going right. on. And One also you don't like, know if you're going to have 10 years to let that pay off. Yeah. Well, and that's always the problem with shows, right? Yeah. That's that's always the problem with television shows because at a certain point, Friends was like you know ubiquitous, right? It got it was really popular. It it kept on getting renewed, et cetera. But the problem is, yeah, especially at the beginning, they don't know that they're going to have another four or five seasons to explore this dynamic. They might only have one, or they might have none. Right. Um, and so so there is that. Okay, how far do we want to go with this and how much of a payoff do we want to give to to this you know this implied romance or this attraction that the characters have for one another um one of the weirdest ones this is much earlier is remington steel uh (laughs) which i watched in in reruns obviously and i loved because it's like it's young pierce brosnan and he's a con artist but then he becomes like this detective he's even though he has no idea how to be a detective because um, his his eventual partner is a female private investigator and she can't get clients. So she pretends that she has this boss called Remington Steele that she invest that she does investigations for. And Brosnan kind of steps in and becomes Remington Steele. <laughs> they pay off that relationship almost immediately. Like they make out, they come close to having sex a number of times. Over and over and over again, this and this series, I think, lasted for about five seasons. And it was one of the weirdest ones because you're like, but you you make out like all the time. Every other episode, you guys are like all up on each other. But then they're like, but we ca- I cannot possibly have a, have a relationship with him. It's like, I what what is happening here? <laughs> and so the the major issue then becomes they don't have sex. Right. And they don't. And throughout this entire series, they're just like and they're like, you know, feeling each other up in various situations. And then they're like, no, but we cannot possibly do that. Just but but okay, but this I don't understand what the whole goal is here. It's a very bizarre dynamic, actually. And I do feel it's like one of those where the series wasn't certain how long it was actually going to have. And so they decide to introduce this romance element to it almost immediately. And then it just keeps on going. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Did you ever watch Remington Steel? I did, but I haven't watched it in so many years. And it's like, I remember that I loved, it. I remember my mom was obsessed with it. Um, in fact, actually, this is kind of funny. In 1992, uh, I was with a group uh, um, we were like, I was in a youth group and we went to see Aladdin down in LA at the El Capitan theater and we were leaving and we're walking through the lobby and all of a sudden all the moms stopped dead in their tracks and we were like, what are you guys doing? And they were like, Remington Steele is at the concession stand. <laughs> like it. <laughs> and there it was, it was Pierce Brosnan and, uh, yeah. It was it was great. Anyway, um, but well, yeah. I mean that that launched him. You know, it yeah. that that was why he got James Bond. Yeah, it was. Um, well, the next year he did Mrs. Doubtfire, and then mm-hmm. for like the younger crowd, that was kind of where everybody knew him from then. And yeah, and then James Bond happened. 
Yeah, it was, uh, but it's, it is this very odd dynamic and it, it's one of those where you're kind of like, okay, you went, you went too far too fast. Mm-hmm. And so the question, so I don't know what the question is anymore. Like what it, when, is, when are they going to get together again kind of thing? And, and basically the question was, when are they going to have sex? But that felt less important in a lot of ways in watching that show. Yeah. Um, I think another one that was kind of similar, and I think that the reason the show ultimately kind of fell apart was nothing to do with with this, but um, like what we're talking about here, but um, uh, X-Files. I think yeah. the show fell apart because it just got to be just bad and too weird, but <laughs> I don't think it was because of Scully and Mulder. But for the first several seasons, there is kind of that tension, but they never... They never really uh, flirt with each other much or anything like that. They just become really close friends. And so it really is the audience kind of, I think, putting it on them of like, well, I want them to get together. I want them to kiss. I want this to happen. Even though the characters themselves aren't really giving us that much. And then there is kind of a time where it just finally starts to happen. And then even then they never, they don't really... Oh, it's been a long time since I've seen the later episodes, but they don't really jump into like, okay, well now Scully and Mulder are together. It still becomes like this this um complication in in their overall work. Um and I don't think the two of them is why that show ended up, you know, going in weird directions. But it definitely did change the dynamic of the show when that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um well, and and that's that's where you get into some of these these conversations about shipping, basically. Yeah. Right. At least it used to be called shipping. I don't know if the kids call it something else now these well, days. We can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're old. Um, no, but but that where the fans impose a sort of a, an idea on the characters that isn't necessarily might be supported, might not be supported, is kind of left ambiguous at least uh, on the show, and and so the fans begin to invent right this this relationship that exists that doesn't actually exist in the world of the show uh and and then that in turn has an effect on i know that some of the the x-files fandom had an effect on the way that the show later developed and some of the things that happen on it Mm -hmm. um the another very good example one of the earliest examples of shipping is star trek (laughs) uh and and this this idea that there is that there's a a romance going on between kirk and spock which the show does not have particularly but it's it's those instances of subtext Mm -hmm. um we can read into kind of the way that they interact their relationship their importance to each other all of that and read into that a a a sexual attraction Mm -hmm. um one of my favorites for this and it's it's one that is very near and dear to my heart is the avengers uh, particularly Steed and Mrs. Peel. And one of the interesting things about that is that the Patrick McNee, who plays Steed, was 100 per, 100% shipped them. He he was like, oh no, they're together, they're having sex all the time. Um, and Diana Rigg was was like, who plays Mrs. Peel, was like, oh no, they're just really attracted to each other. And it's it's funny because the show doesn't you know come down on it either way. There is definite indication that they are in love with each other, yeah, um, and that they are sleeping together and that they're in a relationship. But that's not kind of the central point of the show. Um, and in fact, the the dynamic is less will they won't they and more have they already. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's like what the show kind of conceals from you. Have are they together? Maybe they might be, but it's British. And so, of course, it could just be that this is how they talk to one another. Um, but so that's another interesting dynamic that doesn't get used a lot, but again, does allow for fans then to impose their own views and interpretations on the relationships. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and on the subject specifically of, of Spock and Kirk, I think that... Um, you know, it's it's fun to be able to have those, you know, fan fiction can be really, it can be wild, but it can also just be fun because it gives you the opportunity to explore characters in uh, in ways that they weren't necessarily intended, but, um, but also that there's not necessarily hard evidence to say that it's not true. Um, 
but I, th but I think also that we have a lot of, of situations like that throughout film and television where because of the lack of representation of different types of relationships yeah. and, and especially queer ones, um, then, then we are left to, to try to, you know, look for the subtext and find, you know, find justifications for relationships that we would love to see happen that just weren't allowed. And that's one of the reasons why a show like Our Flag Means Death is groundbreaking, but also just such a welcome, you know, just such a welcome entry into television history because it does, back to what you're saying, like it gives text to to these relationships and it gives it gives people the opportunity to feel like they're seeing themselves in a pirate show of all things you know yeah and uh I, I mean that's that's one of the powers that fan fiction has had over the years is exactly that it's it's been it's historically been used particularly by women and particularly by queer people uh to to kind of give voice to the things that you're not actually getting on screen Mm -hmm. And and so yeah, like you say, so to to write this relationship between Kirk and Spock, um, which is one of the earliest ones, and to sort of be like, oh, we're actually going to give them a queer relationship because that means something, right? Yeah. And and yeah, now we're now we're at the point, and it's I think that a lot of people have also gotten fed up with it, very rightly so, that queer baiting, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's the conversation about like, well, is it queer baiting or is it? Um, is it just like fans imposing their view on something? Right. Uh, you know, does the show really support this idea that there is this, this potential romance or this romance going on between these two characters, but they're never following through on it. The great thing about Our Flag Means Death is that the queer characters are very obviously queer, like, and, and they're very explicitly queer. And yeah, there's, there's not- There's no question. By the end of the season, there's no question where everybody stands. Yeah. Um, and that's that's important. But the the problem is that has been really long time in coming. Yeah. Um, the one of the other shows that that sort of does this, but I haven't watched the last episodes yet. Um, I you know, and there's a question about like, is this queer baiting or not? Um, is Grace and Frankie? Mm -hmm. And now, of course, you've got Robert and Saul who are together, right? On that show, they're the the two husbands who are basically like. By the way, we've been having a years long romantic relationship. We've been having we, an affair for twenty years. We didn't tell you guys about it. Now we're finally going to tell you. But so their their relationship is in a certain place. There are indications that that kind of a relationship is what's developing between Grace and Frankie over the course of the series. And then now there's there's like kind of this question: Is this queer baiting, or is this people that are kind of laying over their interpretations on these characters right. um but it's actually moving more in a in a much better direction because you are having queer couples being represented on screen and you're also having different types of couples being represented the importance of uh female friendships and not and i'm not saying that just like oh female friendships in replace of romance but female friendships as being the most important relationship in your life whether or not it's it's ultimately sexual right yeah. Uh, and that's that's something that has been developing more over the years. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Well, the final episodes of the final season of Grace and Frankie are out this weekend. I haven't I watched it either. I've been, I, I don't know, I've had it sitting in my queue to watch because I get a lot of that stuff early. And I just, it was like, I wanted to save her because I don't want that show to be over. <laughs> so I haven't watched it yet. But I think this weekend I finally will. I, I was honestly waiting for spoilers because I want to be assured that certain things don't happen. <laughs> um, and and I think I've been assured of that. I think I have to check the spoilers again. But like I've, I've basically been like, I don't want to watch the rest. If, if there's, there's something that I think might happen, I hope it doesn't. But I want to be assured that it's not going to happen before I actually watch the show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, but I think that this is also a function of sitcoms changing. Yeah. And and a lot of what we're talking about, you know, some of the earlier examples are sitcom sitcom sitcoms, right? One so, you know, friends even. Um or or the Big Bang Theory is another one that you that you think about that sitcoms have kind of progressed beyond some of these kind of some of these set situations, right? Some of these setups. Yeah. And we're now getting, you know, is is our flag means death a sitcom? Uh 
me. I don't know. Sort of? Yeah. I mean, I feel like it is, but also not because I think I, I just kind of think of sitcoms as being like in front of a live studio audience. Yeah, more episodic, right? Yeah. So, so you've got you've got a ah uh, in this episode, you know, Chandler and Monica go right. to the movies. The one you know, with the rumor, the one yeah. with the couch, or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where yeah. you can you can pluck out an episode basically. Yeah, and, these and are watch serialized. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Office, I would say, still was a sitcom. Yeah. Um, oh, no, the, the Office yeah. Superstore. Uh huh. Um, there are still so Brooklyn Abbott Nine-Nine Elementary definitely is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the animated shows are still sitcoms. Things like Bob's Burgers or The Great North are, or Family Guy or The Simpsons are all sitcoms. Right, yeah. Oh, and on the subject of Abbott Elementary, I just wanted to say that, again, like, so I had, I had found a couple of Will They Won't They lists, and I was just looking at them. One was from this year, and it actually had um, the two characters, I'm blanking on their names right now, but the two characters in Abbott Elementary. I'm like, you can't say this is one of the best when the show isn't even, like, the first season isn't even over. That was when this was published. I was so annoyed. <laughs> like, come on. They're, just, they're trying to find recent examples. I was looking at some yeah. of those lists. So it's just like, oh, yeah, Dawson's Creek was a thing. Forgot yeah, about that. Right. <laughs> but I Gilmore do love Girls. Abbott Elementary, and everyone should watch it. It's such a good show. That that has been on my list for a while. So mm-hmm. I, I finally I've finally gotten to our flag means death, but um, I, I need to to start watching Abbott Elementary. Yeah, you do. Uh, it's, instead of reruns of Superstore. <laughs> yeah, what we do in the shadows is another one that's kind of it's a sitcom, but it also has like kind of a serialized nature to it too. Well, and it's playing off of the original film and and also things like The Office, where it's like, oh, we're going to, you know, we have a documentary crew who's going to watch yeah. this, except they're vampires, right? That, now that does have a will they, won't they. <laughs> it does. Um, what we do in the shadows. It and, does, you're right. And I keep on going like, come on, guys, you can do it. You can do it. <laughs> but you, that's one that on. I hope that they wait until the end and then they have this like great payoff at the end. Yeah. They get to be together. Because part yeah. of, be, well, and, and they're doing that effectively because keeping them apart is allowing both characters the opportunity to grow. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. They're actually, they're actually growing. They're not stunted by, um, by this like desire that they're not acting on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, definitely. But that that is one, like, particularly in the last season, I was like, are, are they, I think they might actually be, I think they might, they're going to do this eventually. Like, their I, big argument was one of the best scenes <laughs> on television all year. <laughs> yes, uh, obviously, we are talking about uh, Nandor and Guillermo. Um, yes, we are. And, and yeah, I, I am, I am looking forward to see what they do with that. I, I do hope, like you say, I hope that I hope that they do eventually like give a payoff for that. Um, I hope that it isn't queer baiting. Some people have said that it might be, but um, it's it's becoming less and less subtext. Yeah, and and the show seems to be doing that deliberately. It's not like they're they're just like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? I was like, no, I I I think that they they mean to do this. I feel like Harvey Guillen, who plays Guillermo, will not let it be queer baiting. I think that he <laughs> really wants to make sure that this relationship ultimately happens. Yeah. That there is a payoff for us. Yeah. Well, I certainly hope so. Yeah. If you're listening, guys, come on. <laughs> well, Tyke um, is definitely listening. <laughs> Although he's not executive producing this show, or he's not one of the showrunners anymore. But Jermaine, Jermaine, come on, buddy. Anyway. <laughs> um, so so do you have any other examples, anything else you want to talk about in terms of like how this is kind of, this is a vanishing trope, right? But yeah. actually some some of the things that we're talking about is that it's it's becoming more and more explicit. And it's also a lot of the ones that we're talking about are same-sex couples. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, I think one of the early examples that always comes to mind for me is Moonlighting with Silver yeah. Shepard and Bruce Willis. And that one is such an interesting... It's been a while since I... You can't find the show anywhere. Um, so it's been a while since I've seen it. But I was reading something about it uh, recently 
because, of course, everyone remembers the like, oh, they got together and then the show fell apart. And and this is another one where it's like, that's not really why the show fell apart. So it was like ha- about halfway through was when they finally um, sleep together. And that, I believe, was a season finale. And then um, he had gone off to film Die Hard. And got injured on the set. And then she was doing something else. And so it's like the whole next, the whole first half of the next season, they were not able to film any of their scenes together. And it wasn't because they hated each other. And it wasn't because the writers were trying to keep them apart. It was because logistically, they just couldn't make it work. And so then it caused this whole other weird, like, okay, well, they slept together. And now they're not together. And... So it kind of caused this whole other problem with that show, which only lasted another like season and a half after that. But I just thought that was kind of funny. That's one of those things where the circumstances just didn't work out for them. But, um, uh, but yeah, Moonlighting that was a great show. And I never watched it. I have oh, never man. watched Moonlighting. If they finally. I wish they would just make it available for streaming. But when they finally do someday, you need to watch it. All right, I will. Well, everyone can watch the first season of Our Flag Means Death, which is on HBO Max. Uh, And and should. Highly recommend it. It is a lot of fun. And and it goes, it has already gone to places that I was like, I was not anticipating this. (laughs) Um, And a fantastic cast. I mean, everybody is on point. Everybody is funny. Uh, and, and it's just an incredibly entertaining, entertaining show. You can also watch, and I highly recommend this as well, Taika Waititi's Dads on Tour videos <laughs> yes. on Instagram, which honestly lifted my spirits in the past week. Like I, he started doing those and I was just like, this, this makes, this gives me hope for humanity. Is that yeah. weird? Like this so- like actually makes me feel better about the world. So this is, is, is Waititi and I think his two daughters. His two daughters. Yeah. Um, who I don't know how old they are. I think they're like seven and ten or so, and they're completely unimpressed with him. And yes. yeah, he's taken them on vacation this week, and they've gone to places like they're just in in New Zealand. Um, so it's like a, I mean, we go on vacation places here in California, and I live in California, so it's not weird. But um, but they're going to places like Hobbiton and uh, Sam Neill's Vineyard and. Um, <laughs> And all these funny, like, places. And he's doing this, like, Dad's on tour. Uh, follow me. It's like and subscribe. <laughs> like, just totally making fun of travel, like, influencers. And it's so, so great. But also his videos and just his interactions with his kids are hilarious, too. <laughs> yes. I, I, I really like, I think it's his younger daughter who's just, like, who's, who's just, like, how dare you i hate you <laughs> like she yeah. is so unimpressed with everything that he is doing and <laughs> it's it's fantastic it really is fun to watch and the one uh, yesterday i think it was when they were at sam neil's place and they're eating the grapes and they have these like pinot grapes and yeah. she eats one and she's like and she's spitting it out and he's just like how how can anybody not like these and she just turns around and she goes we don't all like the same things dad <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like well she got me there <laughs> yes it is he he's he's so much fun and um and is is doing great things and is, is lending his name to great projects as well yep. so it's true we are very excited about this yes we love you uh and we do like and subscribe <laughs> yes yes absolutely um <laughs> uh, so, so to close this out, I just wanted to talk really briefly about what have we been watching. So, Karen, what have you seen this week or thought about this week that you want to recommend to people? Um, well, Barry is back, season three of Barry again on HBO. Love it. Um, the serial killer, or no, not serial killer. Sorry, Hitman who uh, got bit by the acting bug and wants to be an actor. Um, I I really like the show. I think it's. It's dark, but in a really good and interesting way. And I think if you haven't watched it, just get HBO, watch Our Flag Means Death, watch Barry. Um, and yeah, and enjoy it. And then the other thing is that I went and saw The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent again yesterday because I just love that movie so much. And I'm so happy that I did. And 
Lauren, I cannot wait for you to watch that movie because it will just delight your soul. I want to watch it too. I, I honestly, I was in the city yesterday and I was walking by one of the, the theaters that I usually go to um, back in the before times. And I was like, I, I, I could, I could, maybe I will. So there, I, I am building myself up very slowly. Of course, now Yay. I say that there's going to be a new variant or something like that. <laughs> um, but I'm building myself up slowly where I'm like, I, I could go to the movies and then it, it will be a matter of, um, of what I actually go to see. But yeah, I I really want to see the unbearable weight of massive talent. I'm hoping that I am hoping that it will come out on like one of the in-home early releases. Um, mm-hmm. We can rent it for like twenty dollars or whatever because I will pay for that. I'm saying right now, people, I will pay for that. Give it to me. I'm pretty sure that is going to happen soon. I mean, yeah. I think that they're still doing a lot of the studios are still doing that forty-five day release window, um, but we're closing in on that. So yeah, so I. I Come on, guys. I will pay you. I'll pay you 20 bucks to rent it on my television. Come on. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Well, I've been wa- I've been watching Jim Jarmusch films for some reason. I don't know why. Um, I got into... You don't I, need a reason to watch Jim Jarmusch films. I've just been in the mood, I guess. And so I, I watched Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai, which is a, a fantastic film starring um, Forrest Whitaker, who is a hitman for the the mob because he feels he owes this um kind of low-level mob boss his life and so he is a proponent of um samurai etiquette and samurai rules and so he believes that he needs to serve this this mob boss and then he basically something goes wrong with a hit and (laughs) winds up sending the entire mob out after him uh, and it, in a way, in a weird and interesting and fascinating way that only I think Jim Jarmusch can can kind of approximate. And then I also watched Dead Man yesterday, which I had never seen, um, and is uh, stars very young Johnny Depp, which made me so sad because he is such a good actor and he's so good in it and he's so interesting to watch. And so, so as we talked about it last week, so compelling to watch. And watching him in this, I was like, Johnny, what happened? What happened, Johnny? I know, it's so sad. Uh, but it, it both fantastic films, both available in the Criterion channel, um, and both really worth watching. Very different films in a lot of ways, even though they're from, from the same director and definitely have his peculiar... Um, peculiar mode of filmmaking that I've, I've often thought of as he's kind of the flip side of David Lynch. Uh, I would love to see the two of them collaborate on something just for how weird it would be. Uh, that would but, be very weird. <laughs> yes, it would be, but, but right I, I highly recommend both of those films. So anything awesome. else you want to, anything else you want to mention? We are, this is episode 199. It is. So, so we are coming on to 200 episodes, people. This is insane. We are going to try to do something fun for our 200th episode. Um, and we will, we'll, t- we'll talk about that on our various social medias, but um, yeah. Wow. Amazing. It's crazy. It's crazy, but it's awesome too. It is. It's exciting. Uh, so anything else you wanted to say to the people before we close this out, Karen? Watch more movies. As always, we need a button. And TV. <laughs> <laughs> and TV, we've been talking about a lot of TV shows, a, a number of which are are available for, to stream. Some like Moonlighting, for some reason, are not. But, um, but there is you can still watch a lot of these shows um, and binge watch them if you want to. Yeah, definitely. So definitely recommend that. So I think that that will close us out for this week. As always, we want to thank our patrons who include Adriana, Ali, Brian, Connor, Estefania, Heather, James, Kathleen, Cariata, Mason, Matt, Michelle, Monty, Nanina, Robert, Robert, Steve, Sharon, Tao, and Will. Thank you so much, you guys. And we are getting together those. I know we've been saying this, but we, we are getting together those welcome kits um, that we will be sending out to you. Uh, and also be certain some stuff to show up. In the yeah. I'll also be certain that we have your U S mailing address. Um, if you know, it's, if, it, if you haven't included that, if you, if I don't know if you have to include that when you register for Patreon, but just be certain that we have that so that we can send you stuff. Yes. 
if you do want to join our Patreon, that's patreon.com slash citizen dame, you will get a welcome kit. And you will also get access to fun bonus episodes. We recently did Rebecca, and we're going to have another one for May, um, as as well as the all of the episodes early, and then hopefully some, some new stuff that we're trying to get up very shortly. I have been dragging my feet about it, but I am actually going to start doing things. Um, you can also buy some things at our Zazzle store, zazzle.com slash citizen dame pod. And if you want to toss us a couple of dollars, we have a ko-fi, ko-fi.com slash citizen dame. Uh, our website is up and it is going through some changes. It looks much better, I think. Um, and, and so we have some new stuff up there. We're going to have some, some reviews coming up, uh, depending upon how things work, possibly even Tribeca stuff back, uh, when it, when it comes up in June. So, you know, keep an eye out for that. And that's our website, citizendamepod.com. You can get in touch with us a multitude of ways. You can send us an email at citizendamepod at gmail.com. We are still on Twitter at citizendamepod and on Instagram also at citizendamepod. And if you follow us on Instagram, we give Friday recommendations for new films to watch, stuff to check out. And I think that we're very smart. So you should definitely check that out. We are also on Letterboxd. That's at citizendame where we have lists and we're going to have some more lists coming and... Um, you could check those things out. And again, like movies that you get to watch. So you have no excuse to not watch movies. Uh, you can also get in touch with us individually. I am on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at LH Business. Karen, where are you? I am on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Karen M. Peterson. And that will close us out for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Sorry, tonight was a bit of a bust. No, no mate, you were right. Wasn't ready. I don't know. I think you're very sophisticated. Thank you. Oh, that's a lovely piece of silk you have there. Oh, this teddy old thing. Well, sometimes the old things are the best things. May I? Look at that. You wear fine things well. Okay. Yep. Night-night. Night-night.